Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Exodus chapter 13. Now, last week we talked about Moses a little bit. You guys remember? Y'all were here? Come on. How many of y'all weren't here? You maybe listened to the podcast. All right. And we talked about Moses and we talked about the call of Moses. You guys remember that? And Moses called. Now, fast forward into the story. Most of us know the story of the Exodus. Moses going before Pharaoh, all the plagues, leads the children out of the wilderness. Now, this is a crazy thing that happened. Now, a lot of times when we think about the wilderness, we think it's this place where God wasn't moving, that it was this place where it was desolate and, and all those type of things. And really, the, the season that the, that the Israelites were in the wilderness was actually a, a miraculous season. I mean, their, their shoes didn't wear out. They had God was giving them bread every day from heaven. They didn't have to work for their food. Like God was providing for them in a very phenomenal way, very supernatural way. And we see this in Exodus chapter 13. This is, to me, the the coolest thing about it is what we see right here. It says, the Lord went ahead of them and he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. So get this. The children of Israel are in the desert, and we like to say that Moses was leading them, but Moses actually wasn't leading them. The Lord was leading them, and there was this huge cloud that stretched from the heaven to the earth that protected them during the day from the desert heat that would go wherever they needed to go. This cloud would move, and they would know where they were supposed to go. And then at night, the cloud turned into a pillar of fire. So get this, there's this burning flame in the desert just burning. And the children of Israel, that way they could travel at night. That way they could see at night. How many know they didn't have electricity? They couldn't just turn on their phones and and look around. And And the desert is dark at night. So here they are, and God provides the light. God provides the shade. God provides for them. And it says this in verse 22. It says, And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. So the whole time they were in the wilderness, there was this this presence of the Lord, this visible, tangible presence of the Lord. Now, we know what the cloud is. We've talked about the cloud before. When we talk about the cloud, we're talking about the glory of God. We're talking about the weighty uh, kabod. We're talking about the Shekinah glory, right? We're talking about that, that, that cloud that whenever Moses would go into the tabernacle, that cloud would actually pour into the tabernacle and fill the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And it says that Moses would speak to, to God as a man speaks to his friend. So the cloud is awesome. We talk a lot about the the glory of God. When Moses went up to Sinai, there was a cloud there. It was awesome. But sometimes we forget about there was also this pillar of fire. And the constant of this series, we've been talking about the fiery presence of the Holy Spirit, indwelling in and empowering the believer. The fire that ignites the sacrifice on the altar, which we talked about in week one. And we talked about uh, the, the fire that fell on Pentecost a couple of weeks ago. We talked about that fire that burns in us last week. We talked about that, the fire of the calling, this igniting that happens in our hearts. And we see here this pillar of fire leading the children of Israel through the darkness. Now, the darkness in scripture is always, always speaks of the world. Okay. Now, how many know you're in the world, but you're not of the world? I have a little bit of a frustration with the spirit of the age right now because a lot of Christians look more like the world, like the darkness, than they do look like the light. How many of you know that there is a great contrast between lightness and dark? Yeah. 
right? You are supposed to be different. We're like, well, if the church would do this, they would be accepted by the world. Jesus never said we'd be accepted by the world. Let, Let me remind you, we killed Jesus because he was different, right? The world will not accept us. We speak, listen, the gospel is glorious. The gospel is attractive. It absolutely is. But it is also when you tell someone you're not good enough for God, because that is the gospel. You're not good enough for God. So God sent Jesus because you weren't good enough. That's the gospel. That you're a sinner. Don't post that on Facebook, you know. Everybody get mad at you. I'm not a sinner. We're all, we're all good. We're all valuable. We're all loved by God. But while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ came. So listen, the world is full of darkness. Check this out. Psalm 105, 39. Now, now this, what we see here is very much a core to Jewish um, inheritance, very much a core to, to, to their story. They, they remember this. A lot of times as Christians, we kind of you know, we kind of back pocket this story about this, this cloud and this fire. And it says this in Psalms 105, 39, and it's all actually all throughout the scriptures. If you'll do some study, it says the Lord spread a cloud above them as a covering, right? Shade for the desert and gave them a great fire to light the darkness. Now, Jesus said he is the light of the world. Remember that? And then he came back later and he said, you are the light of the world. How many know that we're not the light of the world because of our good deeds? We're the light of the world because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. In the scriptures, you don't have, you know, electricity. You don't have Philip's light bulbs everywhere. The the only light you have in scripture is the context of fire. We cannot be, listen, you will not be light in the world by acting like the world. You will only be light in the world by allowing the Holy Spirit to emit his flame from your life. There is, without fire, there is no light. That is your biblical context. Anytime you see light in the Bible, fire. That's the only way you have illumination in scripture, by fire. The only way we have illumination in this dark world, the only way we make a difference, the only way we make a difference is through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so he has given us the Holy Spirit, not not just to make a difference, but to also impact our lives so we can have some leadership in our lives. You know, Jesus was troubled. Uh, There's a a scripture that says that Jesus saw the people as helpless and hopeless because he saw them as sheep with no shepherds. Jesus was moved because he saw that people didn't have any leadership in their life. People want leadership. You want leadership. I want leadership. And God has provided the pillar of the Holy Spirit in our lives to be our leader. Let me say that again. God has provided the pillar of the Holy Spirit for God's leadership in our life. You want to be led by God? You've got to be led by the Spirit. You've got to be led by the Spirit. Um, John chapter 16. Now, John chapter 14 through 16 I would encourage you this week, just go and crack open that, just live in those three chapters. All right. Some of it we're going to talk about today, John 14 through 16, and just camp out there. You might, you might spend this week on it. You might spend the rest of the year just on those three uh, chapters and just get in it, get in it, develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, This is what he says. Jesus says, I'm going away. How many of y'all have ever heard uh, 
People talk about, man, I would love to be alive during the time of Jesus. Oh, if Jesus would just walk into the room. And, and how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, if I could just see it, if I could just see it. And, uh, and I, I get that. Listen, but this is what Jesus says. He says, I'm going to, to him who sent me, yet none of you ask, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. So you're bummed out because I'm leaving. But I tell you the truth. It's good that I'm going away. What? Unless I go away, oh, unless I go away, the counselor, everybody say counselor, counselor, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And that happened in the book of Acts, right? When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Oh, I thought the Lord just wanted to affirm people in their sin. No, he wants to correct people in their sin and show them Jesus. It's called conviction. It's good. We want that. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. Why do, why do people so angry at the church, so angry at God? Why? Because they don't believe. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. In regard to judgment, because the prince of this world stands condemned. I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. Now, this is crazy. Jesus is like, I've got a lot to say, but you can't handle it. It's like, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth, right? It's like Jesus was saying, I have, I have something I want to give you. I got some things I want to share, but you don't have the capacity to handle it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so you can know. So listen, the Holy Spirit, we got to have the Holy Spirit to receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? So Jesus not only provides what you need, he provides you the capacity to carry it. Word. But when he, the spirit of truth, mm, that's, a, that's a relevant, very relevant for our world right now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. You want, you want truth? You want all truth? Stop Googling things and start going to the spirit of God. He will not speak on his own. There's one way to feed your fears is, oh, what's that little bump on my arm? Oh my gosh, I'm going to die next week, right? It's like, it's insane. Google, it's awesome. Love it, but hey, careful. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he would tell you what is yet to come. Prophesy. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Get this. Jesus is saying this. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said that the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. That means everything the Father knows, we can know. That doesn't mean you know it. Some of y'all are know-it-alls. But that means that God is not hiding. He's given you the Spirit to understand. We'll quote scriptures like, oh, his ways aren't our, our ways. His thoughts aren't our hearts. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. And we'll be like, oh, he's just, God's not like us. And, he, and he's totally not. But it says uh, in Romans, it says, but he has revealed it by his spirit. Yes. So don't leave those scriptures without the New Testament interpretation of them in the context of the spirit. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you'll see me. Okay. So Jesus says this. He makes this statement. I will send the comforter. I will send 
some translations use the word advocate or helper or counselor. The word in the Greek is this word parakletos. Everybody say parakletos. Parakletos. Now you can speak Greek. Parakletos. I posted on Facebook today. Fuego. I speak Spanish. I think I got more likes on that than I ever have a check-in. I don't ever like, ah, there he goes. Right? Right? And everybody's like, yeah. I'm like, cool. All right. Now you can quote some Greek. Right? Parakletos. Now, not to be confused with another Greek word that is parakitos, which is small bird. Um, this is Pericletos, not to be confused, right? Parakitos. No, not Parakitos. Uh, not parasite, right? Some people treat the Holy Spirit like he's a parasite. No, he is the Paraclete. That word, it comes from two words, para, which means alongside, and kletos, which means called. So the Holy Spirit has been summoned by the Father. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit this, the gift of the Father. He says, the Holy Spirit has been summoned, called to be alongside of you, to be your helper. Which one is it? Is it counselor, comforter, helper, advocate? Yes. He's there. He's with you. Right? And so what, when God speaks to you, it's usually not God the Father speaking to you. It's usually not Jesus speaking to you. It's the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. The Holy Spirit's leadership. Now, this is kind of God's leadership academy. How many of y'all want to be in God's leadership academy? If we're going to be in God's leadership academy, if we want to be led by God, if we want to know how to lead well, then we need to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And this is how the Holy Spirit leads. Jesus lays it out. Are you ready? First of all, he leads us. He calms us down. He calms us down. Do y'all ever have one of those mornings where you need someone to calm you down? Or one of those afternoons? I kind of had one of those mornings today, right? He calms us down. You know, during those, uh, when we're going through the night seasons in our life, I mean, we live in the world. We, li- we live in darkness. When we're going through the cold deserts, because these deserts, listen, they weren't just out there during the summer. They were out there during the winter. And the, the desert, the, if you'll study the desert, they would get as low as 30 degrees at night. It's like below freezing. Now, there's no water there to freeze up. But that's a lot. That's really cold when you live in a tent and you don't have access to natural gas. 30 degrees is cold. So when the Lord came as this fire by night, he also provided heat for them to survive the desert evenings. Listen, and we're not just talking about a little flame, you know, some artists have depicted this as, you know, some little, like, little fire. 2.4 million people that Moses is leading through the desert, the Lord is leading through the desert, right? A fire big enough to keep warm 2.4 million people. That's a big fire. That's a hot fire to keep that many people warm. So, th- so he, how does, what does he do? He calms us down. When it's cold, he warms us, right? Um, have you guys ever heard of a serape? I'm going to feed you back, John. Sorry. Y'all know what a serape is? Like a, that's, I'm probably wrong. You're like, man, Pastor Josh is breaking out the Spanish today. They're kind of like this, right? Well, we lived in, El- I lived in El Paso for 11 years and we would, 
there was a season in that time where it was safe to go across the border and we would buy blankets. This is a nice one, but they would sell them for like five bucks and they're really great because you buy like 10 of them and you, you give them to your friends and stuff. You're like, this is from Mexico, which you could have bought one in El Paso for probably four bucks, but you go over there and you pay five for it. And it's a serape, right? And, and if you know anything about them, like they do their job, right? They'll keep you warm or you could use it as a mat to lay your kids on, but they're kind of scratchy and itchy. How many of you know what I'm telling you? They're probably made from like old water bottles or something. And so, <laughs> am I lying? And so, and so but it, you know, you put it on and it would do its job, but it wasn't real comfortable, right? And sometimes I, I think that that's how we feel like the Holy Spirit is. That he'll, he'll, he'll keep us warm, he'll comfort us, but it's not really that comfortable, right? It's more, almost more irritating, yeah. Right? Para, parasitos, right? And so we have that. We have, Pastor Brooks always called. Um, this, this blanket here is called a down. Mm. Uh, Judah, years ago, came in. He, he had this blanket, and he had it wrapped around him. He's like, oh. He's like, this is so comfortable. I can sleep in it for days, <laughs> right? Or have you ever gone to a hotel, and they have all those nice white plush blade. And you're like, oh man, you just want to get up on it. Listen, that's, that's more, that's more like the comforter, right? The Holy Spirit who comes and, and keeps us warm. I think they're made out of like duck feathers or something. So anyway, I'm not going to let anybody have this because it's super comfy, but, but this is what we got to do. Listen, if you want to be warm, if you want to be comfortable, then you got to get up under it. Come on. You got to get up under it. You got to get up under the covering of the Lord, if you want to, to be calmed down, if you want the comfort. Listen, he doesn't lead us. And we, we think, oh man, that just means life's going to be comfortable if I have the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. You need the comfortable comfort because it's cold at night. Listen to me. Jesus never promised a comfortable life. He promised an abundant life. He didn't promise a comfortable life. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I'm with you, right? So he does it. The reason why you need the comforter is because you live in a world that's very uncomfortable. How many know that he doesn't lead us to peace? He leads us with peace, but we got to get under that comfort again, not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. I, I've heard a lot of believers over the years say this. They use this as a way to lead their life. They go, well, I'm just not feeling a peace about it. How many of y'all ever said that? I'm guilty. Do you think Jesus felt a peace when he was going to the cross? Do you think the disciples felt a peace whenever they were being crucified upside down, when they were being beheaded? Do you think they felt a peace about that? Do you think our, our brothers... That, that suffered persecution last week that the news isn't talking about. In Egypt, all those Christian brothers, I think it was 23 of them, they got martyred last week. You think that that was peaceful? You think they felt a peace about that? Let me, let me tell you, don't use that as the only indicator. I'm not saying that that won't ever be an indicator. The, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. We need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You need to know when he says no. But don't just think because you feel a peace about it, that's the right thing to do. Sometimes that peace that you feel might be your flesh. Sometimes that peace that you, you may feel might be the devil deceiving you into thinking it's peaceful or it's convenient. And don't, listen, don't confuse convenience with comfort or the comforter. Listen, Jesus is not the great preventer of trouble. He is a sustainer 
through trouble. We don't pray away difficulty. We endure with his comfort. So it's going to get hard. It's going to get cold. It's going to get dark. But if you'll, if, you, if you'll put the time in, if you'll, you'll, you'll trust the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to go through it with a smile on your face. Going, you know what? It's difficult. It's dark. It's hard. But I got the comforter. And he's with me. Y'all all right? So he calms us down. Calms us down with this comfort. Some of you just need to rest in that. Lord, you're with me. That's enough. I don't need this situation to change. You're with me. That's enough. We've got to develop, listen, we've got to develop this kind of sustainability in our life to be relying on the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to tell you, I'm, I'm no A student when it comes to that. I don't like uncomfortable situations at all. But when we go through those seasons, that's when we learn to depend on the Holy Spirit. Number two, he confirms our identity. He confirms our identity. This is the way he leads. He illuminates. What, is, what does light do? Light illuminates, brings revelation to our identity. It's like, I might not know who I am. I go look in the mirror when the lights are off, but if I turn on the light, I can see who I am. And this is the way the Holy Spirit does. It's he lights up the room and he goes, let me show you who you are. This is what he does. Check this out. Romans chapter eight. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God or daughters. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Remember the Israelites were slaves. We're slaves sometimes by our fears. Come on. By our worries, by our troubles, by our anger, by our frustration. Don't, don't buy into that. That's not who you are. You're not a slave. You're not to be controlled. Come on. Listen, anything that controls you that's not the leadership of the Holy Spirit is not from God. Just know that. The spirit of the age will try to control you. The devil, which drives the, the spirit of the world. I'm going to do, do a series sometime, talk about your enemies. There's the unholy trinity, right? The devil, the world, and your flesh. That's the unholy trinity. So that was free today. But... You didn't receive, you received a spirit of sonship. And by that, we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself testifies with our spirit. So his spirit goes, listen, you're a child of God. You're not a, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Some of you just need to start singing that every day because you're walking around driven by fear. You're walking around driven by frustration, by tension, by worry, by concern. I'm no longer a slave to... I am a child of God. Whatever it is that tries to enslave you. I'm a child of God. And God's kids are free. God's kids are royalty. Listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't bring shame, fear, or condemnation on the child of God. Now listen, the world's already condemned. We're talking about believers. The world that can't know him because they haven't experienced him. This is what Jesus talks about. The Holy Spirit, listen, is not the accuser. He's our advocate. The advocate is the one that comes alongside of us in a court case and goes, I'll speak on behalf of this one. He's the counselor. He's your counsel, right? He's right there with you in the court of judgment. 
And he's going, let me tell you what Jesus did. Let me tell you what Jesus paid for. So when the enemy comes and says that you're sick, that's the accuser. When the enemy comes and says you're in bondage, that's the accuser. When he comes and says you're not a believer, if you were a real Christian, that's the devil. Sickness, bondage, disease, discouragement, devil ministry. Jesus came that you may have life and life more abundantly. Jesus ministry. What does it look like? Come on. What does it look like? Is it Jesus ministry or is it devil ministry? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, I'm just sick. I think the Lord's trying to teach me something. That ain't the way. I would never discipline my kids like that. And I'm not, I'm not a good father like God is. Well, God's just trying to teach me something. So he's making me bitter. Well, that would be the devil. And you're not the devil's child. You're God's child. He is not the accuser. He is our advocate. He is with you. He's not here. He, 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 and we're going to talk about that in, in, in just a minute. But he's not here to bring you shame. And you've got to understand, you've got to learn to discern the difference between conviction and shame. It's important for you to know. Number three, because he confronts our sin. When you sin and you feel bad about it, that's good. When you feel bad about what you've done, when you've sinned, that's good. You should feel bad about it. Don't let anyone say that's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay when you sin. It's not okay when I sin. Pastor Leslie and I have this thing where we'll sin against one another. We'll, you know, um, we don't like cuss each other out. Most times we don't. Um, uh, when we have a, a tension, we have it. Yeah, we don't fight. We have intense fellowship. When we have a, a struggle going on and we mistreat one another, maybe about the things that we, we, the words that we use, maybe we accuse one another, or maybe we, you know, say you always, which never relevant, you know, stuff like that. When we do stuff like that, we'll come and apologize to one another. And what we used to do is go, oh, it's okay. Other words, like I forgive you. But we decided we're not going to do that anymore because it wasn't okay that you did it. What we say is, thank you for apologizing. I accept your apology. Listen, when the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to you, you need to yield to his correction. He confronts our sin. Conviction is a good thing. He doesn't condemn, he corrects. And I would say this, if you are sinning, if you are living a sin, if you have a habitual sin in your life and you feel okay with it, you probably seared your conscience. So what we need to do is we need, we need to spend some time together. And we really need to pray that God will make your heart tender again. Okay? I'm not, I'm not fussing at you, but listen, he doesn't condemn us. And the difference is this, shame goes you are a loser. You are a sinner. Right? That's shame. Conviction goes this way. Stop that. Quit doing that. Don't run out in the street. I mean, how good would God be if he let us do things that are harmful to ourselves? He would be terrible. Listen, God fathers us with correction. It's the way that he fathers. We're like, you're a good, good father when you give good gifts. And when you come give me big old kisses and feels all good. But can you say you're a good, good father when he goes, stop that. You shouldn't have said that to her. That's a bad attitude you have. You know what that is? That's the, the gift that the father gave you. The gift of the father, the Holy Spirit saying, stop it. Uh, check this out. If God doesn't, Hebrews 12, if God doesn't discipline you, 
as he does all of his children, it means you're illegitimate and not really his child at all. So if you don't ever feel correction from the Lord, we might need to pray about your, whole, your salvation. According to the scriptures. It's not an accusation, but it is something for you to consider. See, correction doesn't condemn our identity. It actually confirms it. We did a series a year ago uh, talking about being fruitful, and I preached a message in there uh, talking about pruning. And pruning is the way that God rewards when we're doing good. And I've I've had to deal with some of that recently. And the Lord prunes those that are doing good so they'll bear more fruit. And pruning's no fun. And it's hard and it's difficult, but God wants us to do better. And because he loves us and because he wants more, he prunes us. He corrects us. He fixes us so we can produce more fruit. How many want more fruit in your life? Yeah. I'm not content with it. Listen, that desire that God puts in you, that, that's holy. He wants you to want more. Y'all all right? Okay. Um, you with me? All right. Psalm 12, 1 says this. To learn, we all want to learn. It is, you must Google no, you must love discipline. Yeah. It is stupid to hate correction. Right. Oh, it's in the Bible. That pastor said stupid. It's in the Bible. It's stupid to hate correction. Yeah. One translation says foolish. You like that word better. To hate correction from the Lord, from a parent, from a mentor, from your boss at work. Oh, Scripture says that's stupid, to despise correction. We should be welcoming the Holy Spirit's correction in our life. And not just the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and other believers that are in our life. We should welcome that. Y'all okay with that? All right. I know that's hard. That's no fun. But it's part of the way he leads us. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says this, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. You know what that indicates? That indicates that you can put out the Spirit's fire. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. One translation says, uh, do not squelch, do not stifle the work of God in your heart. And what will happen is if you continually resist the correction of the Lord, you'll eventually put out that fire. You'll grow, you'll grow a hard heart towards it. And you'll be like, I'm just not hearing the Lord. I'm not hearing the Lord. It's like, well, because the Lord's been trying to deal with you and you've ruined yourself from hearing him. The good thing is, is he can reignite that passion. So, he comforts our sins. So number one, he calms us down. Y'all okay? Number two, he confirms our identity. Number three, he confronts our sin. Yes, that is the Lord. Oh, I did that. It was so stupid. Don't be shameful about it. Get before the Lord. Confess your sin to the Lord. If you've sinned against a person, confess your sin to that person. I'm so sorry, you know. I just, my attitude was, that was the Holy Spirit trying to bring a bond there that was never there. He confronts our sinner. Number four, he counsels us. He counsels us. The counselor, verse 26, John 14, this Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, just as we read a while ago, and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. Do you love that? So he counsels us. Uh, that word, I'm not going to try to say it in the Greek. It's, it's kind of like hippopotamus or something like that. It's a really crazy word. But the word in the Greek of remind is quietly remind. It's quietly remind. It's like a nudge. It's like, stop that. 
Or it's like, I love you. Right? It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? It's I'm with you. Oh, it's the quietly remind. That, that, uh, that word in the Greek, the quietly remind, actually is the, where we get the word residue. It's the residue. I have a, a mug that I use in my office. Every, when I'm at the church and I'm here and I use it, and uh, I was about to say every day, but it's not every day. But, and so I'll drink from that cup and I won't go put it in the sink. And when I come back the next time to use my mug, there'll be a residue in that. What does that say? That says that there was a substance in that cup. It's no longer there, but there is proof that it was there. And so Jesus says, I will quietly remind you, I will put residue in your heart. This is why sometimes when you're sharing the gospel with someone or you're trying to encourage them, all of a sudden you get a scripture. You didn't prepare for that conversation, but what is it? It's the Holy Spirit going, hey, remember this? Has that ever happened to you? You're like, oh, like you're like talking to somebody and you're like trying to encourage them. And like you got all this scripture and you're like, dang, that's pretty good. You're like, you're like sharing how many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You start to, it just starts pouring out of you. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Can I tell you? That's what He's there for. Yeah. He's there to. Well, I just don't know what I would. I don't know what I would do if if uh, if if I was going to talk to somebody about the gospel. I don't even know how to do it. Listen, you take care of the approach, and God will take care of the information. He just will. He'll remind you, and it happens to me every time. Listen, He will not leave you alone. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to be like, uh, you've got this one. Forget everything. Watch, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach him something. Yeah, he is going to teach you something. He's going to teach you how good he is. And he's not going to leave you abandoned in a conversation. He's going to give you the right words to say. And most of the time, it's going to be something that you read in the scripture or something that God spoke to you in a season of your life. And that happens to me all the time when I'm preaching. I'm like, why did I get that when I was preparing? It's because when I'm sharing it, I'm relying on the Holy Spirit. It's like this. It's like you have a, a boat. At the dock, how hard is it to move that boat? How hard is it to turn that boat around at the dock? It's hard. You got to get that boat. You got to push it out on the water. You got to crank the engine or pull out the sails, and you got to get it turned back around to bring it back into the dock. Listen, in our walk in the leadership of the Holy Spirit, sometimes you just need to move out, and then let the Holy Spirit guide you. He will guide you, and he'll remind you, this is how you do it. Remember? Remember what I told you that one time? Remember when this happened and I came through? Remember this scripture? There's scriptures that I didn't even know I had memorized until I was talking to somebody, and then I had the scripture. I was like, I'm pretty good. (laughs) Right? That'll preach. Thank you, Lord. Right? What is it? That's the Holy Spirit. He's your helper, your teacher, your God. And check this out. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So his Holy Spirit confirming the words that Jesus said in our life, confirming the heart of God in us, leads us. Y'all okay? When you feel lost, confused, ask him for the spirit of counsel. This is why it's very wise of you, which usually we wait until we're like broke down and we go, Lord, what am I going to do? And he's going, well, I wish you would have asked me before you got yourself in that mess. But now here you are, I'm available. Now that you're asking, let me tell you. Y'all okay? He's our helper. He's our teacher. He's our God. When we feel lost and confused, ask him. 
ask him for the spirit of counsel. Lord, give me the spirit of counsel. Lord, let me know what to do. I know that I could go pay a counselor. I know that I could go meet with Pastor Josh over coffee. I know that I could go meet with Pastor Book over coffee and talk to him. But Lord, I can also ask you right now and you can reveal your truth. Now, sometimes he might reveal that truth to someone else. Come on. Sometimes somebody else, sometimes he wants you in community so much that he's put the word that, that you need into, into somebody else. But you'll love the Lord like that, that he don't leave you abandoned. So he counsels us. Number four, y'all all right? Is closeness. This is the last point. So that's five. Number five, closeness. So he calms us down. He confirms our identity. He confronts our sin. He counsels us. And number five, closeness. He leads us with closeness. He leads us by saying, I'm right here. Right? Exodus 13, 22, we read it earlier. And the Lord did not remove the cloud. The Lord did not remove the fire from in front of the people. He is not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. We have the helper. He's going to help you out. Listen, he's going to bail you out. When you make a mess and you go, Lord. And he goes, all right. I've been waiting for you to ask. John 14, 17. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him. Come on, listen. Don't go to the world for the word that you need. Huh? The world can't receive him. You're gonna get a spirit by consulting the world. But it's not gonna be the Holy Spirit. All right. Because it isn't looking for him. And doesn't recognize him. But you know him. I love this. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be with you. He's with you now. He's going to be there later. Listen, not only is he going to be there, he's going to be in you. Jesus said, I'm going away. It's good that I'm going away because I'm not going to be with you anymore. I'm going to be in you. How near is in you? I mean, that's, I'm close to my wife. She's there. We go home, we're, we're, we, you know, we sleep in the same bed, all that kind of stuff. We're intimate. We love one another. We're, we're close. But she's not inside of me. We're near, but there's someone who is more near. It's not as near as your neighbor that's sitting next to you or the seat that you're sitting on, but someone who is inside of you. Jesus said, I love you so much that I'm not just going to be with you. I love you so much I'm going to get inside of you. I'm going to burn inside of you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to be available to you. Always. You know him. Gang, listen. Develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Don't settle for the Bible tells me so. You need that. Don't stay there. And he says this in verse 18. I will not abandon you as orphans. You're not an orphan. Get off that orphan spirit that says, I'm not going to be taken care of. God's not going to take care of me. What if something bad happens? What if this? What if that? That is an orphan spirit. What if the bills aren't paid? What if I don't get my healing? Orphan spirit. You have a good heavenly daddy who's given you the spirit of God to possess you, to live in you and says, I will never leave you. I'm always there for you. I'm always available. Would you just call today?
to me.